Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the Blocking Charge Cast, we're going to take our cues from wise men leading the conference's teams. And today that means if you do something we don't like, We'll fucking kill you this week on the Blocking Charge Cast. Welcome back to the Blocking Charge Cast. There's been many squeaky fouls. There's been many shooty hoops. It hasn't been that long, but boy, the events in the intervening period certainly make it seem like a while. I am Steve Braun, a.k.a. Thumpasaurus. I am with a panel of five this time. Well, counting myself. Yeah, we got full lines tonight. Um, This is Andrew Krzyzewski, your uh, regular host. And this evening, uh, you know, mid-afternoon, because MSU had just been crapping the bed repeatedly, I had procrastinated on doing anything with this podcast at all. I tuned in to Michigan-Wisconsin shortly before halftime. I know this game's pretty boring, but at least I can have it on the background while I do this. Nothing interesting is likely to happen, and then something interesting happened. And so now we've got full phone lines. Um, joined once again by Ellie, one of our chief Penn State correspondents. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. Well, a little worse now that Rutgers and Purdue just scored. But uh, other than that, doing okay. Well, somebody's got to lose that game, right? So that's always a good news. For oh, no, but he had the second half under is what is what uh, he said in the oh, chat. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, under 74 and a half with a Rutgers basketball game should be free money. Um once in a while. I mean, that's, I don't know Obviously if that's you, a bad beat, but you go where you see the value, but man, I always would rather bet and bet an over than an under because, you know, once it hits, you're home free with an under, you can't stop sweating till the end of the game, especially for a second. Know half the funny thing lead. about that. I actually meant to pick the over, but I pressed the wrong <laughs> button and didn't realize it until it had already confirmed. And so it's like, click, oh, well, guess now I need him to miss shots. Yeah, I think mean, the thing with the second half over is if one, if it's close enough that one team is trying to catch up, then you get the free throws. And so typically our higher scoring the second half, but that'll happen from time to time. Also joined tonight by the second half of our Fighting Illini contingent, by far the largest plurality your folk have ever enjoyed on this podcast, Steve, as we have. He was a high school quarterback with us tonight. How is it going, first-time correspondent? Oh, it's going great. Uh, uh, got the wrestling on while we're recording this, so that's uh, a good night. Definitely the largest Illinois correspondence that we've had, and also there's more of us than there have ever been. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, joining us once again, uh, one of our Indiana folk, Buff Komodo joining us from uh, what appears to be his garage, his basement. That'll be the freshly renovated basement. I see the the visible ceiling to increase the clearance, a good choice. Sooner or later, basement renovations are going to be on our slate. There's about 20 house projects before we get to that. Congratulations on finishing that. Uh, For me, because I can't stand up in my basement. And if I can't, neither the hell can you. Oh, hell no. I would have to be walking around <laughs> on my knees. But Everything uh, that's stripped out of the ceiling is already stripped out. It just It's just too short. It's storage only. Yeah, man. A lot of houses around here were built uh, apparently in the Middle Ages when the average height of an adult male was five foot two or something. Um, and also just before people realized that an entire additional floor of your house could be useful for things other than putting boxes of stuff in. So <laughs> we've introduced the panel Checked in with everybody. We have, of course, a lot of stuff to get to. And as alluded to in the intro and in the substantive intro, very interesting events this afternoon in Madison as, uh, first of all, Wisconsin wins the game. Let's not lose sight of that. It was important for their position in the standings being atop the conference at the moment. Michigan very much on that bubble, that win against Purdue certainly gave them a lot of value. Um, but still a lot of tough games left and given their overall record, not at all, given that they were going to make it. 
game was close. I mean, tied at halftime. And then Michigan had a blitz in the early second half. They took control of the game. Wisconsin called a very good timeout and then went on an extended run of their own. Michigan was not able to come back. A strange tendency on their part throughout the game to not enter the ball much to Hunter Dickinson. He passed out of a few post-up opportunities. And that was after scoring 15 points in the first half and really providing an effective counterweight to Johnny Davis. But anyway, Wisconsin had taken control of the game with less than a minute left. It's about a 15 point margin. Wisconsin has pulled all their starters or most of them. Uh, they've got walk-ons in Michigan still has all their starters in and they are pressing full court press. As you would guess, Wisconsin turns it over. So Greg guard calls a timeout trying to organize his troops who don't actually play very much. And then the game ends uneventfully, relatively so. Wisconsin, 15-point uh, final margin, I think, 15-16, something like that. And then there's some chatter about, well, Jawan Howard's not getting in the handshake line. He finally does, and then he gets to the end of it. He and Greg guard exchange words of some kind. Guard kind of takes exception, like places a hand on Howard's chest, say, hey, wait now, buddy, as – a very typical Midwestern man. Yes, he very much Midwestern. <laughs> hey, well, now hold on there, buddy. Are you really going to – you're not going to shake my hand? Oh, boy, I don't know yeah, what – pal. So you get that. Um, more words are exchanged. More assistant coaches gather. Players start to gather. And then we have the fracas. And I don't – I'm not going to do a blow-by-blow blow because it went on for a minute. It would take a long time to walk well, it through it It started with some people mobbing as a situation because it started, yeah, guard – you know, didn't want to let Howard pass without saying, you know, trying to say something about it. Uh, Howard responded by kind of grabbing him near the collar. So now they're locked up in a bit of a tie up and then they kind of separated and some words were exchanged. And then I saw this in slow motion. Howard, you know, reaches out with a right hook to one of the Wisconsin assistant coaches, but he unballs his fist in midair and it turns into a weird slap face smush thing. But meanwhile, Hunter Dickinson has seen this. If you see this in slow motion, Dickinson is like grabbing his arm, his swinging arm to try and be like, oh, no, no, no. But it's like too late. He didn't get there yeah. in time. And so then, uh, right to him, honestly. and then things, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was right there. And of course, you know, then Howard gets pulled away. Somebody on Wisconsin like picks up Johnny Davis and runs away with him. Uh, pro <laughs> and probably the play yeah. of the afternoon. Yeah, I, that's the <laughs> franchise, right? That's, that's nope, 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 nope. Just and then the players yeah. start swinging. <laughs> Uh, yes, few, a few punches were thrown by players as well. Um, most notable among them, starting power forward for Michigan, Musa Diabate. Um, there was definitely a player in Wisconsin who I couldn't really identify in the video. He kind of had his head turned away. Um, Terrence Williams might be hearing from the league on this as well. Um, in the post game, Guard explained his perspective on it. I mean, he didn't really talk about the fight. He said as to that part that the video explained itself, but as far as the lead up to it, he said, look, you know, I've got a bunch of subs in, they've got their starters in, they're pressing. So I called a timeout. So we didn't get a 10 second violation. Um, and that's about all there was to it on the court. Um, Howard's comments pretty much limited to taking exception to that timeout being taken, implying, and if you squint at it really hard, Maybe I, the only thing that you can come up with is he thinks by taking that timeout that guard is trying to rub it in, but it like that. Well, you're the one that chose to continue playing the basketball game. That's the yeah, way that a, I put it. He's the one right? who down by an insurmountable margin decided I'm going to employ a tactic that will make sure this game takes longer. Because so, I, I yeah. saw this happen at the end when Trent Frazier hit a three that put Illinois up by five with about 10 seconds to go. Izzo basically just conceded that and just said, all right, I mean, we could foul and stuff, but like, it's not yeah, going to happen, it's, right? It's a low percentage enough. And I mean, that's enough. Like, yeah. Like good right. game. Let's like good get to practice. Right. Yeah. And of course, some of this comes with the backdrop of this, not exactly being Howard's first incident with another coach last year in the big 10 tournament, not even a full calendar year ago um, in a game that Michigan won ended up threatening to kill Mark Turgeon, which I mean, Turgeon ended up thinking about that and a week into the season deciding, you know what, he's right. I'm done with this. I quit. So um, that's where we are now. Um, there was a sort of generic statement released by Michigan's athletic director, Ward Manuel, saying, yeah, I saw it. I'm aware of it. I'm basically going to see what the league does and then we'll figure out what, if anything else we need to do. So the ball for the time being is in the big 10 offices court. 
I would guess they'll probably have a decision midweek, end of the week. And we'll see how that goes. Of course, of course again, Wisconsin's AD also released a statement saying basically like, I have no idea what happened. We didn't do a goddamn thing. We did nothing, which is not entirely true, but we can't ignore the fact that like, there's just, you, you just can't have your head coach swinging at people. No. So like for any well, reason, really. Yeah. So that, I think that kind of sets the table. I've tried again, I'm not going to try to say anymore because I want to hear everybody's thoughts, but that kind of sets the table on what happened if you didn't see it. Um, the, the video clip. Oh, and of course, by the way, I, the best part of it, in my opinion, was that as things are starting to escalate, the CBS or CBS or Fox, I think it was CBS, the outro music starts playing, the very cheerful trumpet as they're as like they're starting to like put hands, like you can see they're getting more heat, and now, like a little crowd gathers, and it's just like the most cheerful. Um, so we'll go and turn. There was that, and then there was a point where the producer is like, oh, oh, uh. Something is happening. How about hard fade on the cheerful trumpets? Uh, <laughs> it cuts off very abruptly. Um, so, Ellie, your thoughts on the afternoon's events? Um, well, outside of Rutgers being little bitches and extending a game, they had no chance of winning. Um, I think you both have said most of what I feel, right? Yes. Because it's Wisconsin, it was a dick move. It doesn't matter why calling that timeout was a dick move because it was Wisconsin. But that's a dick move on the court. Your response as a coach is to slam dunk with one second left in the Big Ten tournament. That's what you do. You don't actually take a swing at a player because moving forward, let's say they don't fire Howard, which they probably won't, but... Next year, two years from now, it's a player that takes a swing at an opposing player. What's Howard's, what leg will Howard have to stand on to say, you can't swing at players when you have now done it twice, basically. One with threats and one actually physically taking a swing at another coach. That's a great point, yeah, which is that beyond, I mean, the reason, of course, that Howard will and I think ought to face more severe consequences for it than like Diabate, the player who was visibly in the middle of the fight is because as the coach, he's expected to be the guy who is pulling his players out of that kind of situation. Right. And it's not exactly the best example to be setting Um, high school quarterback, your thoughts. Well, I I guess first, you know, the guys that I saw taking swings, it was Jacoby Neath for uh, Wisconsin, Terrence Williams and Musa Diabate for Michigan. So if the players, get some lengthy suspensions that that certainly hurts Michigan quite a bit worse than it, than it hurts Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I said, you know, yeah, I, you know, I can see being a little miffed at Wisconsin for calling timeout and then you foul somebody with four seconds left in a 15 point game at my, in my mind right there, you're even, they did something that was a dick move. You said, Hey, that's bullshit. We're going to do something that's a dick move and then move on with life. I'd, yeah. And that, that's a good way to put and necessary. To, to tie it into Ellie's thoughts. What this kind of made me think of is the difference between something like this and what we saw between say Iowa and Illinois the last couple of years where yes, there is, there was a little bit of slap fighting, a little bit of chest puffing. Um, doesn't that I mean CJ Frederick's gone now, but he and Demonte Williams get into it, but it never really progressed beyond a little bit of jawing on the sidelines. And just like shoving uh, your chest into each other and going, what, 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 what you going to do? What you going to do? And then everybody making the decision to keep cooler heads and realize that the way to resolve those differences is within the painted lines on the court. Led by the coaches. Yeah. And that's, and that's with Brad Underwood, noted human flomp. Um, and Fran McCaffrey, <laughs> and not, Fran exactly gone picture, too. not exactly the picture of calm and composure, right? But he ended up getting his players to do the right thing in that kind of situation. So ask our uh, other Illinois guy if he remembers in a Lovey Smith's year, Jim Harbaugh calling a timeout to challenge a spot on like a, a, a fourth and short for Michigan with two minutes to go up 41 to eight over Illinois. Okay, yeah. like, like you talk about something that you want to fight somebody over. I mean, that's just a tremendous, a tremendous dick move. Like, can, you'd have to be kind of, kind of nuts to do that. I can see the look on Lovey's face in my mind's eye. It, it looks exactly like the same look that he always right. makes. 
kind of the same expression he always has, but somehow just like a little bit more wistful, like, why is this particular I'm, thing happening? I'm pretty but, sure he squinted. That was <laughs> He was, squinted as the mist He had his regular face. look, and then he squinted to show his displeasure. That, well, he I have a better one. Urban Meyer up 63 to 7 in 2013 <laughs> against a sanctioned depleted Penn State also challenges and calls a timeout in the fourth quarter because his he believed that up 63 to 7 that spot that they gave him was not good enough and he needed to beat Penn State who wasn't even going to go to a bowl game that year 70 to 7 who knows I just, it, just a thing thoroughly out of keeping with the character we've come to see from Urban Meyer, especially now that he's been subjected to the pressures of the NFL. The point is, man, we've respect. seen some real dick moves perpetrated by coaches. And we're talking <laughs> yeah. about football ones where you're standing a lot farther away from the other coach. But, you know, everybody <laughs> has to yeah. deal with it. And there's also in a defense of some of the, in, in, Hold on. In defense of some of these coaches that make some of these decisions, you know, these are professional coaches. This is what they do. They coach all of their players for the entire game. It doesn't matter who's on the floor at what time. That's the reason, you know, against, you know, FCS, nobody, you'll see a timeout taken with like, I don't know, five minutes left to go in a football game. So that way the coach can ream some third string walk on because he's not in the right spot. Like that's what these guys do. I don't find a timeout with your walk-ons on the floor with, you know, 15, 20 seconds left to go uh, after they've turned the ball over twice. I don't find that to be particularly egregious. I really don't. No, and that's it's I only mean, egregious because Wisconsin did it. Let's get that part clear, <laughs> and that's fair. And, and that's the, fair. And that is, so sure. So there's a general undercurrent here of, you know, look, Brad Davidson's been throwing elbows into my star center's solar plexus all afternoon, so I've been putting up with that, and now you're doing this to make this last longer. Like, I, very interesting. Which, yeah, I thought would be the cheapest shot that I saw all day. Davidson just felt him out, and then just, yeah, elbow right to the solar plexus, absolutely crumbled him. And I heard it just waved off as, well, that's just a typical basketball play. And like, yeah, that is a typical Brad Davison play. That's the problem. For him right and the jejunum. And, and by the way, who did he not see anywhere near the center of that action? Brad Davison, who is smart enough to know if the shit jumps off, 99% of the players in the conference are looking for him. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I got to wait a minute. Scurried away. Uh, let it not be said he's not a very savvy veteran at this point in his career. So I, I'd also say go back to Juwan Howard in the press conference kept saying it wasn't fair that they called a timeout. And I'm just not sure what that even means. I don't either. I mean, he, he Juwan Howard is in CYA mode. He's trying to cover his ass because he knows that he messed up real bad. Yeah. But um, did not at any point apologize for his actions. No, no. Or and say I, that he was wrong. Yeah, right. That amount of time after the incident, he's probably not come around to the place of, I made a mistake and I need to fix this. It was it, presumably still some of the residual anger that got him there in the first Brad Davison, very much a worm tail to Greg Gard's Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. I might be giving Gard a little bit too much credit. Davison could carry over from Bo Ryan, isn't he? I mean, he's been. Yes, I mean, forever, yes, it so. is definitely. It's definitely an exaggeration for the Greg Gard part, but boy, is Brad Davison <laughs> nothing if not Wormtail. <laughs> I think that puts a pretty nice bow on it. So <laughs> that will, as we said, results of this consequences we'll see i mean like i said michigan's on the bubble <laughs> there's very meaningful on-court results that'll come of this as well if they're starting power forward probably their second best player is suspended they still have games left against ohio state against michigan he uh, would have been illinois. very 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 he would have been a matchup nightmare against illinois he didn't play in our first game i'm very glad that he's probably going to miss that game um yeah. So that's kind of fun. The other thing that's they've got GERS on Wednesday. They've got the GERS on Wednesday. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, the other thing that's fun about this is this is coming on the heels of uh, what I can only describe as Pizza Hut Week, which uh, in which, you know, Brad Underwood disappointed at his team's effort at Rutgers and especially how they were out, uh, out bodied on the board, said that they got, you know, they just got dragged out to the Pizza Hut parking lot and beat up. And then when asked to elaborate, he said, no, like in my hometown, you had to go, 
you know, as a teenager, you settle your differences at the Pizza Hut parking lot because it's off the main road where the where, where the cops wouldn't go looking for you and you just fight in the Pizza Hut parking lot. Which, by the way, he's talking about what he did as a teenager, not as like a fully grown adult coaching college. But the official Pizza Hut Twitter account is now aware of this and keeps replying to Illinois basketball um, about Pizza Hut parking lots. But after all, after all of that. Um, Illinois Twitter watched this with great interest and <laughs> yeah, I was guess, about like, like, yeah, I don't know like Pizza Hut's interaction with Illinois basketball is hey tough game why don't you all come and work out your anger with a pizone and then fight it out in the parking lot <laughs> 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 no it, it literally after they beat Michigan State it was they were they responded like uh, I don't remember what the small town in Kansas was but they said this win brought to you by a Pizza Hut in the small town in Kansas. <laughs> McPherson. McPherson, Kansas. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. I, so I, I'm going. I'm just going to say I, I'm going to, I've, I've kind of uh, complained quite a bit over Izzo's street fight talk after Io got his nose broken. I, I think I'm going to concede the moral high ground here and, and uh and stop that uh that i'm not saying that it was a good basketball play i'm just saying if you watch madi sissoko and you think he's doing anything in a basketball game on purpose uh i don't know what to tell you although i will say he's got a decent little jump hook now but if that's really all he's picked up in almost two years then man it's uh, cool man i managed to fire off some juicy street fighter memes uh because trent frazier (laughs) hit the shinku hadoken on them at the at the end of the the game so 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 we're good now. We got Illinois got their first win at Michigan State since uh, since the nosebleeds at Breslin uh, snapped my ankle. Twenty fifteen, it was, but they also haven't played there every season. So I think it was like a four game losing streak or something. Not the longest thing in the world. When you consider that that's the end of the gross era. Um, other kind of season long storylines. We'll all we'll all do a, a quick little golf clap for Nebraska ball, which gets off the Schneid in conference play gathering all their remaining energy and firing their best Kamehameha at Minnesota. And Hey, look, it landed. Uh, they're definitely dead now though. Nebraska's not winning another game the rest of this year. Uh, unless the other team plays it just, just terribly. Um, they, it, it was like an A plus 105% effort that Nebraska had to do to squeak out a win against Minnesota. Another of the teams towards the bottom of the standings. So that's that. Um, a continuing theme I have noticed is, when do these games feel lopsided or like one game or like one team is playing uphill and the other isn't, do you have a center who is capable of playing in this league or do you not? If you don't, you're either at the bottom of the conference or you're only there, not there by the grace of God, like Michigan state isn't. Um, that's kind of one of the themes I've been noticing. So we will with that pivot to the standings, Today's results are now final. Purdue um, put Rutgers away at home. A high-scoring second half to some of our chagrin. Um, oh, my God. Did it hit, <laughs> hit five? So 39, 69. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Oh, that is – I think yes. that now belongs in – that now yes. belongs in bad beat for a second half under 74. Rutgers scored 36 points. Purdue scored 39. Add them up, folks. <laughs> 75 points. What was it? Was it your college basketball bet of the day? <laughs> it was my only bet of the, day, the week. He should have written it up, man. <laughs> I, you know, this is that's what you get for spending too much time with me during football season, though, when my college fantasy selections were absolutely the touch of death. Um, apparently, you. It, you developed like long suck symptoms. I lost fading ooey pooey. <laughs> Which should have been impossible. But as you said, when they basically started playing only six guys, they somehow got better. Yeah, they finally won a game. Yeah, I wonder if that's less than anybody else could take around here and put that aside. So as we sit here at the end of conference play on February 20th, a three-way tie atop the, well, actually, technically Purdue is half a game out front because they have played one more game than almost everybody else. But crucially, uh, they have won that game. They have won that game. So one game ahead in the win column, tied in the loss column with Illinois and Wisconsin. Um, 
Man, Badger's just still lurking, man. The fart in the elevator that will not dissipate when we talked last. I don't think it was – they didn't. They still felt like more of a one-man team. Um, I forget the exact record, but during the broadcast today, they brought up Wisconsin's record in games decided by five points or less. And it was like eight and one or something. <laughs> uh, when you have a guy like Johnny Davis, I guess it's easier to do that. Um so we'll take a quick look at schedules the rest of the way and then kind of get everybody's thoughts on the top of the conference race. Purdue has two pretty challenging road games left at MSU, or at least not the challenge it usually is, but it's you know still certainly going to be a team that's frantic for a, a big win and to get back on the right. Well, foot. they ought to be unranked, which is going to be a problem for Purdue, apparently. Could be. Um, they also have to go to the Kohl Center. Um, and play Wisconsin, and then to end the season, they host Indiana. But again, those are the only games they have left, so they're spaced out a little bit more, and Purdue should have fresh legs in all three of those. Um, and just a reminder, they, they somehow started one and two in league play. Um, granted, one of those was the Johnny Davis game where he had 27 in the second half, or whatever it was. Um, Illinois struggles have mostly been on the road. They're a very difficult team to beat in the spaceship their only game they have left on the road is at Michigan, which is pretty meh as an environment, generally speaking. And again, Michigan could be down not only their head coach, but one of their most important players as well. Um, Wisconsin has a pretty difficult late season schedule as well. They have to go to Rutgers, which is one of the tougher. I mean, for, to my mind, this season, it's been right behind Mackey as toughest place to play in the conference. I have and seen they, just an ungodly amount of deference given to Rutgers with officiating this year like it is not Indiana anymore it's not Wisconsin it's not Michigan State it's Rutgers that is the biggest home court advantage as far as what the refs will let them get away with it's I it's unbelievable imagine if they act if they weren't if they didn't need so much help to win the conference we saw that play out at Mackey Arena today Rutgers was in a competitive game but Paul Mulcahy and Caleb McConnell both in serious foul trouble for a long stretch of the game because the refs didn't let him slap with impunity. <laughs> so, Well, you see, the thing with Rutgers is that they play the Don Brown um, theory of defense. If you commit pass interference on every play, they can't call all of them. So if you punch someone in the face on every defensive play, and sometimes on every offensive play, they can't call a foul on everyone. And when we're in that shithole, they call the trapezoid of death. It's loud enough that you can't even hear the whistle sometimes. So they just keep playing. You know, the disrespect for the Quizzo Dome, the Quiznos Dome or whatever it's called now, uh, is, ju is just astounding. Um, but so, so anyway, Wisconsin does have a trip to Rutgers, which has been a tough environment. They also have to host Purdue, so probably the toughest remaining schedule of the three teams atop the conference right now. They do have a couple easier games at Minnesota and versus Nebraska. Um, any thoughts, high school quarterback, on Illinois' relative position in the Big Ten race right now? Do you feel confident of getting at least a share? Are you nervous at all? I mean, I, I failed to mention, I think Illinois does also have a game remaining with Ohio State, so there are a couple tough ones left on the schedule. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's probably a coin flip at this point. Um, I think they do have uh, a little bit of a maybe an easier path, but they still have to play Ohio State at Michigan. That's going to be tough. I, uh, you know, I, I think they're definitely right there, but certainly not a lock. It does not feel like a season where there's going to be um... – a free and clear. Oh, I'm losing track of the word. Um, a clear cut, an outright champion. An outright champion. Where there's only one team that wins. I, I think we have at least two. From where they are right now, you feel that there's probably going to be at least two teams sharing, given the jam at the top and how many games those teams all have against each other. Uh, but enough talking about the teams at the top. I, I want to turn briefly now to a fellow middle dweller. Um, Buff Komodo, your perspective on the top of the conference race, other than I assume hoping Purdue loses every game. All right, here's the thing. There would have to be some really screwy shenanigans for Wisconsin and Purdue to share the conference title because they both play each other. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, I think you want to be Illinois. And I'm saying all this because I don't want to talk about Indiana and how terrible of a position that we're in. Uh uh, I had the schedule pulled up, but it's really crappy. You know, you got to go to Ohio State. 
and you got to go to Mackey in between. You've got a Maryland home game, a Rutgers home game. You got to go to play at Minnesota. So maybe 10 and 10 really yeah. sucks. Oh, we're don't worry. we're going to work our way down. But the good news is that Michigan State, Indiana, Michigan, Iowa brackets about as low as we're going to go in the standings before we run out of me. We'll think to say well, having a Penn State participant on this, I think, will help us there. Um, but yeah, so outside of the top three, the next tier because sitting here right now, I think even with the loss, I think Rutgers is still in the four spot. But I'm going to pull up up to the minute standings because uh, no, they are not the six because, spot. Yeah, they fall, they fall behind Ohio State then. Because basically, as far as I'm concerned, with between <coughs> with between uh, what four and three games to go for those teams at the top. I yeah. think you can put Rutgers and Michigan State out. Rutgers more so than Michigan State because, well, no, the exact same amount. Um, but Ohio State is not title. necessarily done until Tuesday. If they lose to Illinois, that's going to be it for them. Yeah, so, I mean, the thing with Ohio State is between their own postponements and I think at least one caused by an opponent, maybe the Nebraska game, uh, they've only played 14 games in the conference. Everyone else has played at least 16, I think with the exception of 15 or 16. So they've got more games left to play. They're only a game behind in the loss column. And like I said, they do have a couple games left with other teams at or near the top of the standings, Illinois. Um, they play Michigan State, still Michigan. And so there's difficult games left for Ohio State, but they also have a little bit more control of their own fate, not having a game in hand with Wisconsin or Purdue Hurts. But um and they've also, like, every time I watch them, so I, I caught a bit of their game the other day against Iowa where they just got handled at home and they had no answers for the Murray Twins. And that happens. If, you, if you've if you paid much attention to Iowa, they basically have two kinds of outcomes in their games, which is, is Keegan Murray in foul trouble? If so, then they're going to really struggle and probably lose. And if not, they're good enough to beat anybody because, as we know, they're still very statistically efficient um, computers very much love them a lot more than their 18 and eight overall record eight and seven in the league. Although <laughs> we're only a game ahead of them now. So what am I talking smack for? Um, so when you look for storylines in the middle of the conference, there are teams on their way up. That would be even after today's results, I would have said Michigan, but I guess we'll see how that goes in Iowa and then Michigan, teams on their way down, which Michigan. would be, from a shot quality perspective, put up enough shots to have a 50-50 shot to win today's game. They just missed a lot of them. I've been looking at this shot quality thing lately ever since uh, there was, you know, just a game where Illinois didn't hit anything against against Rutgers. And it's it's interesting. They really like Illinois. But, again, in this game, they they certainly said it, – it's the, the stats certainly bore out what I saw, which is just Michigan got good looks and missed all of them. The thing is, a good look for Michigan is not even necessarily a wide-open three-pointer, though. I know that's what statistics and analytics say is a good look, but we've got enough of a sample size on them at this point to know that a lot of these guys shouldn't be shooting four or five threes in a game, especially if it means Hunter Dickinson is not getting a touch in the post, which is what we saw most of the second half. That's kind of what Juwan Howard should have been mad about. He should have been mad at himself first because he's got a seven-foot first-round NBA pick who's immensely skilled, physically talented and he got a one shot attempt in the first 15 minutes of the second half as Wisconsin pulled away from them. Funny how those two things were correlated. So what I'm thinking when I'm looking at Michigan is that like, you know, you'd think then that, uh, you know, 20 wins and 500 or better in the conference is enough to talk about the bubble. But then I realized I'm looking at Iowa, not Michigan and Michigan's non conference um, didn't give them as high a win total. It did not. They, are not going to suffer any harm to their resume because they did play a very strong on conference, but they missed the opportunities to get all those wins and they got blown out a number of times. So they got work to do of those five remaining games. I figure they probably have to win three to be safe. Um, and then the other, I mean, I didn't realize that things had gotten this bad for Indiana apologies to Buff Komodo, but now riding a four game losing streak, um, on the projection I saw today, they'd slipped all the way to last four in. Any realistic concern about missing the tournament? Oh, it's super realistic. Everybody is in panic mode if you listen to any of the Indiana podcast. It's it's not looking great. 
and I've said really all along, I think that 10 and 10 gets you that 10, 11 seed and every win over 10 and 10 for Indiana, you go up a seed. Um, so I think there's very real concern, especially I, I just don't think that this particular resume can withstand a 9-11 conference schedule. I just don't think it can. And looking at the schedule, I the tournament committee would with, never forget. Yeah, yeah, I'm not comfortable with winning any of these games. Like I'm not I'm not looking at any of these going, I got we got that, we got that, we got that. I'm looking at these games going, ooh, maybe Hopefully. Maryland has been this weird pirate ship that just kind of shows up and every now and then they broadside you. They, they're but the only the team thing. to win at Rutgers. Yeah. And then most of the time they're just kind of crashing into the rocks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have, Indiana's resume here is speaking at non-conference. So even in terms of opportunities, like they've got the win against Notre Dame from the Crossroads Classic. Notre Dame really hasn't done anything this year. A loss to a really bad Syracuse team, even on the road, is not going to help. And didn't really play a whole lot of other teams of note. Um, a win over St. John's would normally get you something, but I don't think they're doing much this year either. And then the it's East mostly lower strong, to your home. Yeah. But the Big East is looking not bad. It is, but I, I don't think I don't think St. John's that. isn't making much noise within there, within the conference. But I mean it, it's a win. But that's probably I mean, you could say that's really a home win. Good. A home win. Not yeah. even an away win or a neutral floor win. Yeah. That is St. John's is in the middle of the pack in the Big East. So it's and then I mean, you, it's it's weak, man. It's really weak. You're just that, that sweating. Win. Win against Purdue is going to do a lot, um, as is the win over Ohio State. That seems to be aging pretty well. But there have, been some there have been some opportunities there. I mean, let's see. So They have Maryland and Rutgers at home still. Yeah. So it depends on whether or not we get a return to form for Rodgers. Right. Or an on-brand Indiana meltdown. An on-brand Indiana late February meltdown, as has been tradition for the last four years. Yeah, what I mean as you Ah, but that one's in March. <clears throat> we we don't make it to March. Oh, that game is March? Yeah, oh, March yeah. 2nd. There yeah. is a chance. Of the five remaining games, three on the road, um, next up is Ohio State <coughs> tomorrow, and then ending the season at Mackey, which especially in the context of Purdue having that close loss earlier in the season uh, and most likely going to be in the conversation for one seed as well as a conference title that's going to be a tall order you, you do not want to leave the in versus out thing up to that Purdue game which of course it won't be because even if you lose that game by 40 you then turn around a few days later and play in the big 10 tournament with an opportunity to get some more wins there so but that's not been historically good for indiana indiana true. does historically terrible in that so i will not bet any amount of money on that the only thing i would bet on is if Purdue has a chance to clinch a share of a conference title against Indiana at Mackey. Take the over, whatever it is, just take it. Um, just are you saying that you're predicting that game, game any way or the uh, any which way or the other? Say that again. Are you saying that you're predicting a specific result in that game? Oh yeah, specific, very specific. Indiana is going to go back to Bloomington with a gaping hole in its chest. Oof, just. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I, I was thinking I'd be able to maneuver around it successfully, but since we have the Penn State correspondent on, I think it would be unfair of me not to bring up how terrible Michigan State has been recently and their recent results, including, I think, the 10th all-time loss to Penn State basketball. Ellie, I have to assume you were ecstatic with the results. I am furious when they mentioned, and I recalled this offseason story, supposedly when John Hara was in the portal, there were some conversations, hey, you maybe want to come and... I think it was more Hera opting not to do it, but still, if Tom Izzo had the chance to get that guy on his team and he didn't, and then Tuesday happened, I hope I never hear the details about it. How was that experience for you? Well, 
I'm seeing the standings, seeing Penn State is in 10th, and basically realizing that they'd have to like lose out in order to not finish 10th when everyone and their mother, including me, thought that Penn State would win two games this season. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. Yes, the 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 result against Michigan State uh, was even better because Penn State doesn't usually beat Michigan State. Um, to follow it up and you know blow Minnesota out, not that it in and of itself is an accomplishment, but you know to string two Big Ten wins in a row, um, it's pretty nice. It um, it feels like the job Michael Shrewsbury is doing so far is much less of a rebuilding job than I thought it would be. I thought year one of Shrewsbury's tenure would be what year three of Hoiberg's tenure at Nebraska uh, is shaping out to be. The fact that it isn't kind of gives me hope for the future, which is a feeling that I'm not used to having hope as a Penn State basketball fan, it's not really, not really usually in the cards for me. Yeah, you know, I will say <clears throat> there, there were real signs, I thought, in what ended up being the COVID cancellation year. Um, that would have been Penn State's first trip to the tournament in a long time. That was that team built around Lamar Stevens. It felt like it was the team they had been working towards for years. Um, and that was again one of many reasons there was such a bummer we didn't get to see them play in the tournament. Same thing for Cassius Flinch and Michigan State, um, senior tournaments that were lost that way. Um, I wonder, and this is just again, I, I ha- cannot pretend that I've watched all these games, but I've seen pieces of a few of them. And even just looking at it, like it's straight. So I wonder if you agree with this. It, it looks to me, if you look at Penn State's results over the course of the season, that maybe that loss at Indiana was something of a turning point. And it's not to say that they've gone on a long winning streak since then. But after that game, they beat Iowa at home. And then in three consecutive losses, they lost at Cole, at the Cole Center by two, lost at home to Michigan by one, and then lost to Minnesota also on the road um, by six. Three close losses before they break through against Michigan State. Um, that was a huge win for them, even with a very quiet weeknight crowd. And then they follow that up, absolutely pummeling Minnesota. Um, have you seen, did you, do you remember there being kind of an inflection point after that Indiana game or was that just kind of a coincidence that I noticed? Oh, no, it's definitely, um, that game was very, very, very stressful for Shrewsbury. I, I tend to watch all of his, uh, postseason, uh, postgame press conferences. Um, and he was not happy about the showing at Indiana, especially being an Indiana guy. Um, he was definitely not thrilled to get embarrassed in his home state, um, or at least the state where he spent the most time coaching. Um, so he, I believe I've mentioned this in the past, but um, at, he, he had people hold hammers when uh, they're not, during practice, when they're not um, in, like on the court. Well, after the Indiana game, they became sledgehammers. So definitely that is the, the game where he, and, and the Iowa game as well, because um, the Iowa game, um, the, and I'm talking about the road game at Iowa. In that game, they actually were playing close in the second half, but then the energy kind of um, went out and Iowa was able to pull away winning by a much larger margin than the um than the game was actually played out then the Indiana game happened it was like the energy probably stayed in Iowa City and um you know despite scoring 40 points in the second half that first half was um atrocious and um yeah that was definitely at least from the coach and the way he spoke to the media in his press conferences, it, it was something that was clearly unacceptable. And yes, um, it didn't lead to the string of wins that you would have liked, but you know what? I will take um, a 36-33 redux at Wisconsin. It ended up being 51-49, but we all know it was 36-33 in, in our hearts. And they, they, 
they were one bad shot away from actually winning it. If Miles Dredd sets his feet, he usually doesn't miss those, but it so happened that he didn't set his feet. Then we had um, a game against Michigan when they were actually up 11 in the first half. And, you know, Dickinson did Dickinson things, which, you know, ironically, we're just talking today about how they didn't really use Dickinson that much in the Wisconsin game. Well, they didn't forget to use Dickinson against Penn State. So that turned out not so great. And then at Minnesota, um, you, you know, the score is close and, you know, both teams played efficiently, but actually Shrewsbury in that post-game conference was probably more heated than he was after Indiana because in his mind, the defense played just as bad, if not worse, against Minnesota. Probably no disrespect to Minnesota, given who they are at this time, being that I think they have exactly five players and no one else to let that team score 76 when you're allowing in the low 60s. Um, he definitely took that personally. And I'm pretty sure that Minnesota being tired, notwithstanding, uh, is the reason why they didn't break 50 in the second game. Yeah, man, the Minnesota short rotation, that's if they have all their guys. I mean, they've had um, Curry has missed a couple games here and there. Peyton Willis was out as well so they've been even more shorthanded and there are some interesting parallels there between Shrewsbury and Ben Johnson who both coming in you're taking over from coaches who well left in very different circumstances but similar roster situations Shrewsbury I think made the better short-term decision to try to hold more of the team together because Penn State was a better team than Minnesota was at the end of last year I don't think there was any real question about that um so when Chambers had to, was ousted in the way that he was, deservedly so, um, there was something there worth saving, and Shrewsbury was able to keep a lot of the best pieces around and add the right pieces to it, which is always a difficult mix to pull off as a new coach. Whereas in Minnesota, despite the fact that he had ties to the previous coach, Ben Johnson basically started from scratch. They had all of like two scholarship players who came back from the previous year. Um so that they've both had, I mean, the results in the win column have not necessarily been there, but still two new fresh head coaches. Shrewsbury, I thought was a great hire on paper. Ben Johnson was a head scratcher, but two new coaches who in year one have very much, I think, kind of overachieved a little bit. Um, and so since we're speaking about the coaches, I think this is a good spot to tag Buff back in. I'm curious how you feel about Woodson overall so far, because although it's true you know, with this skid, and even before that, they had had a few losses mixed in there. I know it feels like a panic mode right now, but from a big picture perspective, where are you on Woodson, you know, here most of the way through his first season? Uh, about where I thought it would be, honestly. I, I'm pretty, I was pretty lukewarm on the hire anyway. You know, it wasn't, you know, every, every single Indiana person and their mother was, you know, Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens, and then Mike Woodson. I'm sorry, what? Mike Woodson? Like the 60-year-old, like former NBA guy? Like that guy? Um, I, I get the allure of the hire. And I don't I don't know that he's even a bad coach. It's just, you know, the roster, the way it was constructed with the complete lack of shooting and stretching the floor ability. I don't know what to do with it. Uh, it you would think with Trace Jackson Davis being a supposed all-American that you're gonna win a lot of games and do a lot of great things. And I mean, they've won what 16, 17 games. That's great, but it's not tournament worthy. And it's, you know, you can't help but be lukewarm until he actually brings in some outside kids, you know, that can play his vision of the way you want to want to see it. I'll tell you what my, and this is not an original thought. I'm not the first one who had it, but I know what my thought was when they hired Woodson is Fred Glass still the AD or did he step down? He was not the AD at the time that they hired okay. Woodson. But whoever it is that made the hire, I, I know what they were trying to do because of the timing. And I mean, the similarities are just too difficult to ignore. Is they wanted to make a Jawan Howard hire because at that Definitely. point, Howard was coming off a year two when he struck lightning twice in the transfer portal 
got huge improvements from his guys, had a freshman class with an All-American um, centerpiece right away. Um, that looked like it was sustainable. This season has certainly taken a lot of the wind out of those sails, uh, but it sure looked like an absolute home run higher. And it still might be. I mean, who's not to say, like, today was not a good day for him personally or for the program, but it's still, like, it's the high, it's, it's kind of the dream higher, isn't it? Like, this guy is from a golden era of our program. He's going to be almost universally beloved, um, has experience in the NBA, which, you know, is a thing that speaks to the top shelf of prep player these days. Um, and as enough, I mean, and, and in the case of Woodson, he was an NBA head coach. He had, he won playoff games with the New York Knicks in the 21st yeah. century. Like that's remarkable. And, and Steve and I have gotten no end of mileage out of the JR God damn it. Cause it's one of the best sound clips of all time. Um, hopefully he's at Indiana long enough to give us something equivalent. Cause again, they're obligated to suspend a bunch of players for partying at Northwestern. And basically we just pictured him calling them individually into his office and doing that sound line with each of the guys. He suspended. Yeah. One of time is, there yeah. God damn it. Christian. God damn it. <laughs> In, in in order to really understand, you know, the Indiana hire and really the Juwan Howard hire and name your college that brings back former uh, glory player uh, to be the head coach, it's really all about just understanding the culture around it. And Indiana is rich in history, but not necessarily present. So you have a bunch of 50, 60 year old people yelling, Tom Crean's not winning enough. We got to get rid of him. All right, out with that. All right, Archie Miller's not winning enough. We got to get him out. Oh, you know what we really actually need? And, you know, this was a complaint when Mike Davis got fired into Samson. Whenever Samson got fired into Crean, it was always a complaint. We need to go back and get a night guy. We need to go back and get a night guy. We should have a night guy leading Indiana, yada, yada, yada. So um, that's really what – whenever I look, whenever that he was hired, you saw just so many 50-, 60-year-old people – you know, ecstatic in the Indiana fan base and a lot of younger generations going, okay, we'll see what happens. Well, at least he didn't hire Isaiah Thomas because that would have been. Cool. <laughs> they're, they're already, they already tried that in Indianapolis. That would have been. Dan Duckage. Oh, God. Well, oh, I mean, God. Don't get started there. <laughs> well, oh, so, so for Illinois, right, you, you, the only. The only really uh, the only candidate there you could have is current UIC Flames head coach D. Brown, who. Um, was uh, dismissed from Illinois over contentious circumstances that, uh, you know. I did not realize he had gotten a head coaching job. Good for him. Um, yeah, he's the head coach at UIC. The The culture thing is always – I understand why there's a temptation to do that as an administrator because you think, all right, so we have this – most schools have some period in their history where it's like, all right, that was the best we've ever done. That's what all of our fans think of as the golden era. We need to find a way to get back to that, or at least to make people think that we're getting back to that. Um, and so picking a guy who was there for it um, means that they're more likely to know, to understand what it took to get there. What's you got some thoughts on that, Ellie? I just heard eras and good and trying to get back <laughs> and, to and, and just kind of kind of confused as to what all of that means it's gonna take some grave robbing for illinois football to get back to those days <laughs> yeah well i just like sooner or later tom Izzo will no longer be the coach at michigan state and i hope that we know better that I, so here's the thing is that if you have a counter example maybe you can get around that because when msu hired mel tucker Yes, he has connections to Michigan State. He started here as a grad assistant for Nick Saban. That was over 20 years ago. He did not stay for long, and he wasn't in a position of authority, and he didn't play here either. So there is a connection, yes, but to think that you need to have a guy who played for the team, um, who was there in your in your golden era of coaches, it's I think it's very, first of all, there's obviously some nepotism to it, and if there are problems or blind spots in your culture bringing in a guy who was raised and marinated in that for four plus years 
is a good way to make sure that that stagnates and you don't ever get away from it. Yeah, because here's well, the it's risk. Also, it's also a good it's also a good card for Scott Dolson as a first year AD to play because oh, after sure. you after you've backed the Brinks truck up to Brad Stevens and he said no, uh, you kind of get a free pass now saying hey, especially if this doesn't work out, hey, I brought in the former Indiana guy, it didn't work. Now I, I have can do completely I free reign to go get whoever I want. And I don't have to listen to my donors because I've already tried to make my donors happy. You know, um, it's no, I mean, they, they raised $25 million in two phone calls to get Archie Miller out of there. So, I mean, you know, he was kind of bound by either Brad Stevens or a uh, bleeding red Indiana guy between five or uh, Woodson, uh, and he picked Woodson. And with the NBA ties, I don't know that it was a bad hire. It's just not particularly. No, I think it's a better hire than Juwan Howard was. Um, mm-hmm. I think the odds that he's able to achieve at least some success are pretty good. Um, where that ends up being enough to set. I mean, it, I think the other thing that the program guy, culture guy gets you is it does get you more grace from the fan base. If your first couple of years are rough, they're going to be much more hesitant to turn on you, especially if, the, I mean, if you talk about older fans who have memories of him as a player, um, their beloved experiences in their lives, they're going to be much more hesitant to turn on that guy. Um, all right. So we certainly veered a little bit on the long side here, but again, when we have more contributors, it's always great to get these conversations. So we'll, we will bring kind of a, a conclusion to our episode by going through the schedule of interest for the remainder of the regular season. Um, identified a number of games mostly that are going to be relevant to the top of the conference standings i snuck a couple msu games in there i mean they play play purdue the michigan game is going to be interesting certainly now um but before we get to that as you mentioned tomorrow we've got indiana at ohio state um buff some quick thoughts from you on that if i can get off mute uh that's gonna hurt a lot ohio state is kind of heating up right now and i think ej liddell wants some payback on TJD for making him look like a dwarf. Uh, Trace hasn't played well against Trace hasn't played well against the best big man in the conference this year. EJ is going to reassert himself, and I think uh, unfortunately my Hoosiers are going to get spanked back to Bloomington. Ohio State is also coming off of a rough loss at home to Iowa. If they want to maintain even kind of lurker position in the conference title race, they're going to need to win that game. Um, really, that's going to apply for all the rest of Ohio State's games the rest of the way. Uh, and then speaking of those Buckeyes, they will then turn around three days later on the 24th. They go to Illinois. Uh, again, hugely important game for both of them. One of the tougher games remaining for Illinois. Um, a very interesting goal. stretch here for Ohio State. They, of course, yeah. we didn't mention this, but they 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 choked uh, they choked away a lead late at Rutgers. But, of course, a large reason for that is because you know how Steve Peichel wants to play Goldeneye? You know what mode he always picks is slappers only. Slappers only. <laughs> slappers only. So, yeah, they slapped oh and God. slapped and slapped and got – and those were called blocks, every single one of them. Uh, so, Ohio State at Illinois, like I said, is, is – uh, Ohio State loses that one. Uh, lose one of these next two. That's going to that's gonna shut the door on their outside chance of a conference title, of getting on that conference banner. Um yeah. I like Illinois' chances in this one a lot just because I, I don't think they can stop Kofi Coburn inside. Yeah, and Ohio State's also got more of a compressed schedule here. As we mentioned, they had a few games canceled and evidently are going to try to make them all up. So they're going to be playing out a little bit more in the way of tired legs. I will say that Chris Holtman plays a deeper lineup than we've seen from Ohio State in a long time. Um, so they may be a little bit better equipped to handle that. So like uh, Kofi got a three-second violation against Michigan State. And I'm like, hey, what the hell, guy that's supposed to be dumping it into him every possession? If if Kofi gets a three-second violation, it's not his fault. It's the fault of whoever isn't feeding him every single time. Yeah, understandably so. And I mean, frankly, it could be called for that 10 times a game. But that's the kind of thing they don't pay that much attention to. And I don't necessarily disagree with that approach from the refs on that point. Because it is one of those things, like you said, if you, if you wanted to call it, you could call it a lot and it would make for really unwatchable basketball this is we then this next weekend coming up um saturday only two games on the slate but both involving conference contenders michigan state hosting purdue and then wisconsin going to rutgers to partake in the crucible of the clammy sandwich dome 
Um, both very, again, more important for one team than the other. But look, if Rutgers is serious about getting into the conference title race, they got to win this game. Um, Purdue could is most likely going to hold serve. I don't know what Michigan State's front court is going to do against them. Anytime the Spartans have seen oh, and <laughs> all of this, oh, man, we've had so many good thoughts tonight that I haven't even had to talk about my team's own crappy slide. Um, so I guess I'll bring that up here briefly. Look, the biggest, most unfixable problem Michigan State has is they're as terrible at defensive rebounding as I've ever seen from a Michigan State team. That's got to be putting Izzo's soul through a wood chipper every night. Um, opposing teams are sending one guy to the offensive glass, and he's hammering this front court that Izzo has put together. And again, he's got two open scholarships. There were, what, 2,000 guys in the transfer portal. He just needed a body. To get, that could get in there and rebound for 10 minutes a game and he didn't get one so he's made his bed now he lies in it I do think in the second half against Illinois they may have hit on something playing both their point guards at once we'll see if they learned anything from that well yeah I mean Walker um had like 24 26 points in that half 24 it, but the thing is like he started for a long time this season but he's had such a hesitance to shoot the ball which is weird because at Northeastern, he was scoring 20-plus points a game. He was their offense, such that I had to assume, I had to assume, that when Izzo was recruiting him, he had to, he must have made it clear to him, like, look, you're not allowed to freelance here. You will run my sets. You will take the shots that are designed for you, or you will not play. And Walker had to have taken that to heart. Like, that's the only thing I can think of, to turn a guy from a volume scorer into one who doesn't take open threes until he absolutely had to against Illinois. And then look, 24 points and a half. He's totally capable of doing that on a regular basis. And every now and then I think that the, that Bruce Weber's voice is still echoing through some of these big 10 arenas and Travis Walker just heard Travis a few times in the distance and hesitated on some open shots. Yeah. Good grief. Um, but anyway, we're also going to see Wisconsin at Rutgers. Uh, be prepared for a race to 45, guys. That one could be ugly, but it's very important to conference title, unfortunately. Sunday, Illinois at Michigan. Tragically, you are not going to be able to be present on account of certain medical circumstances, but you sent some, you, you have chosen a champion. No, no, they've, they've now reneged. So my, my stuff has, per the latest CDC guidelines, a few days to get out of my system and I can get there, but I still do want to send somebody in my stead because I'm going to feel weird. Yeah, it, it would be good. And again, we, you know, we'll see if Diabate is playing. I certainly wouldn't think so. Um, most likely going to be interim head coach or acting head coach Phil Martelli as well. But again, oh, you mean the actual head coach? Yes. Like the actual well, guy that coaches the basketball players? He's going to be the head coach? Kind of cautious about that because that has some undertones. I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, but anyway, he's certain. I mean, it's look, it's certainly a good assistant coach to have on the bench if you're going to get yourself suspended for an indefinite period of time at the end of the year when you're on the bubble. Um, Tuesday, the 1st of March, another big game in the conference, the rescheduled Michigan State at Michigan game. At least that's big to me. Um, both teams, I mean, shoot, if Michigan State loses these next two games, they might play themselves onto the bubble at that point. Um, and then Purdue at Wisconsin, circle that one in highlighter, Sharpie, whatever you use to mark your momentous occasions. If you can only pick one game the rest of the way, that's probably the one to watch, I would think. Um, you have to remember Wisconsin winning the game at Mackey is what put them in the driver's seat for a piece of a conference title. Saturday the 5th, only one game on the schedule that is that dreaded Indiana at Purdue matchup that we talked about already. And then the last day of the season, March 6th, everybody else in the conference plays who did not play on Saturday. So Jordan Bohannon's return to Champaign. Oh, boy. Could be a spicy one. Um, we'll also have the Michigan-Ohio State rematch. Uh, Michigan State plays Maryland that day. I hope that's not an interesting game because if it is, it probably means that we're playing like a C-minus effort. Um, yeah, so I think that about concludes it. Anyone have any Games the rest of the way that I did not bring up that you want to talk about. Um, gonna have to be quick, Ellie. Um, Penn State ends their slate with at Maryland on Monday, <clears throat> Northwestern and Nebraska at home, at Illinois, at Rutgers on that last day of the season. There is a real possibility that Penn State could, hopefully, I'm not jinxing it, but Penn State could finish with nine or 10 nine, conference nine, wins, nine is which is possible. amazing. And I can guarantee you that one of those is going to be at Rutgers. 
Ooh, the Garen Sheed. I love it. Um, Buff Komodo, any remaining thoughts on the schedule that you would like to discuss? God, I hope we can get the 10 wins. <laughs> Look, I'm counting down also, the practice, man. <laughs> also, also, these 9 o'clock tip-offs in Eastern time, I can't take it anymore. I get up Killing at 6 me. in the morning. If we're going to lose... If we're gonna lose at the nine o'clock tip, can we just move it to seven, please? I'm just, I'm just over it. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I understand needing to have some accommodation for the locals in the central time zone. Where if you start a game at six local, up at nine, but yes, right. I certainly know that feeling of a basketball season that at times had some real promise, and uh, then you get through some of these February slogs, man. And spring practice is right around the corner. I'm not even excited about spring practice. We were two and ten last year. Can't help but be better, and you got rid of Nick Sheridan. Come on now. <laughs> hey man, for the you're... for the UMass head coach, for the UMass head coach. That's uh, that's true. I, I did not bring. <laughs> shove not... my face into a meat grinder, please. For oh. who the bell tolls? Oh, okay, okay. I, I was wondering. I forgot that uh, it's not the Whipple goes. <laughs> no, I mean that would have been a that would have been an interesting hire, but uh, indeed, indeed. Hey, hey, how do you feel about the fact that Illinois and Indiana finally play in football again on a Friday in the first game of conference? Let's God go. damn it! Oh, I hate these Friday <laughs> games. I hate these Friday games uh, even more than I hate those nine o'clock weekday tip-offs Eastern which time. Bloom- which Bloomington is it in? Is it in Indiana, Indiana Bloomington, or Illinois Bloomington? <laughs> Bloomington normal. That would be funny. You know, I grew up in Central Time most of my life, and God damn, it's so much better for TV. I just I want Michigan. You know, Michigan State was in, or Michigan, the state of Michigan was in Central Time for like quite some time. I mean, the original way that they drew it up, and, Honestly, uh, it probably it probably still should be um, because like I, I think everything else at our longitude is. Yeah, it is. And we get like sunsets after 10 p.m. in the middle of summer. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, that I don't hate. Um, I think it is definitely better to be on the western edge of the time zone than the eastern edge. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. But for TV, man, God, I don't understand because they always, you know, schedule everything around eastern time as though people in eastern time don't have to be to work before 10. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and everything, of course, is. I don't know what it is with college sports playing their championships on Monday nights. <laughs> yeah. It's so stupid. Just play it on Saturday. Like just play it on Saturday. Oh, even Sunday would be fine. Honestly. Um, but because then you could do Friday for the final four and Sunday for the title game. Like I, it seems to make more sense to me, but anyway, um, we'll, we'll probably end up lopping most of this off the back end. If, if, Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!